door and his own backyard. From here, the view of his yard is spacious, surprising, making the place where he has lived for more than 35 years suddenly unfamiliar. He stares down over his garage roof, his barbecue, his pergola. His intimacy with it is in this instant scrubbed away, and he is struck by a light, strange feeling that there might yet be things to discover down there, in his yard, in his life. Just nearby, in the guttering, he catches sight of a mottled ancient tennis ball. Again, there is the little dzz of memory, to do with the children, to do with the weight of a baby in his arms all those years ago. When he falls a moment later, what he sees is the colourless flap of a bird's wing and a rushing, tilted sky. Margaret stands on her tiptoes, peering into the back of the pantry, reaching out her hand to a green-lidded bottle of paprika, among others, in the blue plastic ice cream container, when she hears the noise. Something sudden and heavy on the roof above her head. She stands there in her kitchen, looking up to the ceiling with a cylindrical little spice bottle held aloft in her fist. She stares upward, listening for more sound. Kathy fishes the ringing mobile telephone from her shoulder bag, pushing the groceries along the supermarket's stalled conveyor belt with her free hand. She looks at the screen and puts it to her ear. Hi, Mum, she says into the phone. Oh, Kathy, says her mother's voice in a surprised way. It is not her usual message-delivering telephone voice, but high and bewildered. The checkout girl presses the conveyor button and the last of the groceries jolt, then slide forward. The girl drops a box of tissues and a tube of toothpaste into a pale green bag, unhooks it to sling it alongside the others, and waits. Kathy is hungry. She casts a look along the queue behind her, wondering if it is too late to run back for bananas. But there are people waiting. A man behind is glaring at her. Did you ring me accidentally? says Kathy to her mother, frowning tucking the phone between her neck and ear as she opens her wallet and passes a $50 note to the girl. Her mother's voice. It's disbelief. Dad's fallen down. He lies in the new hospital ward, the dark purple mess of his face obscene in the whiteness of the bed. All around him is white, stainless steel and white, slivers of blue and white, mint green and white. Nurses stride around in the quiet, twirling keys on lanyards or holding things in their gloved hands, their rubber-soled shoes on the new linoleum. Squidge, squidge. Tony Warren, the wardsman, kneels to check that the brakes on the bed's rubber wheels are properly engaged. Then he straightens and puts his hands into the pockets of his blue overalls. He steps to the head of the bed to look at the man's slack, unconscious face. He moves his own head this way and that, to better view the particular gruesome flowerings of colour and swelling. The ventilator tube coils out from the old man's mouth, then up over the ear and his bald bandaged head, on the opposite side to the mashed temple. Hands still in his pockets, the wardsman leans in to inspect the dark, pulpy edge of the large wound, which is visible despite the dressing and the sticking plaster holding the ventilator tube in place. As he inspects the edges of the wound, the wardsman winces, showing his teeth and inhaling a quick, quiet breath.
Tony Warren is unnoticed as he stands there by the bed. The large ward empty but for a couple of murmuring nurses and two other unconscious patients at the end. There are no visitors, yet. They will soon gather, as they always do, rushing into the ward with their eyes wide, glancing around them at their shocking new world. But for now, the patient is untended, a mechanically breathing corpse. The wardsman looks up to read the card taped to the wall above the bed, the name in black text to capitals, Geoffrey Connolly. The wardsman stops, his gaze fixed on the card. Then he leans in again, removing his hands from his pockets and resting his forearms on the bars of the bed, staring once again for several long seconds at Jeff's damaged, horrible face. Eventually, he sticks his hands back into his blue overalls.